Welcome back, everybody. It is Encounter with God time here on The Breakfast Show. We're about to get into our Bible study. Before we do, we have, as always, a bunch of text messages to read through, as well as the 300-point question for our quiz. Lawson, go for it. 400 points. Oh, the four, where the yeah, 400 points? That's right. Yeah, second hour. Come yes. on. All right, for 400 points. When Gideon needed to shrink his army's size, how did he decide who to keep? 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer. And for 400 points, you can get a book from our selection of bargain books here. Uh, you can pick any any one of them. You just have to give us a call. Again, that number is 0491-064-669. But that question was, when Gideon needed to shrink his army's size, how did he decide who to keep? Okay, so that's an interesting question right there because there's two answers. Yeah. Are we going to accept both answers? Um, Okay, we will accept either answer. Either answer we will accept. But there's a better one that's funnier, in my opinion. Okay. (laughs) So you get extra bragging rights if you get the funnier one. If it's funny. Yeah. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Cool. Good stuff. All right. Text messages. Text messages. Let's see what we've got here. Okay, this one's. We've got quite a few messages on that story about fatherhood that we talked about. Oh, wow. Uh, fatherhood, what else can you say? The facts speak for themselves. The rest is propaganda. If you repeat it long enough, people will believe it. Hitler used propaganda very well, thank you. <laughs> Satan's lion plan is also working very well. Our Father who is in heaven is the Father for the fatherless. Mm. Yes. Um, and then we've got um, self and motherhood. Worldwide, 130 million babies are born each year, meaning that in the last two pandemic years, 260 million babies were born by mothers under great mental, physical, and spiritual stress. God help them. The beautiful thing is that God will save all who are willing to be saved to the uttermost. Thanks, David, for a very informative study. Um, and then we have this one from Michael who says, the double L team is back in the house. Love the rest of the, <laughs> love the, rest of the team. But great, but great, you guys are back. That one's there from Michael. So. The professionals are here. So Cracks um, knuckles. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back, uh, Lawson. Okay, so we've got somebody on the phone right now who's called through, and this is Stuart from Sortel. Stuart, welcome to the show. G'day. How are you, Lyle? Good to hear you guys back again. Yeah, it's, mm. good, it's good to be back. Hey, um, I understand. Producer Shell mentioned that you've got a poem to share, something is it about fatherhood. Yes, yeah, I did. Um, it, I'll tell you a bit of the history of it. When I was in another denomination, one of our uh, leaders was there, and I was writing a few poems for people. And and I said to him, well, I don't really know, you know, are these things really from God or, or just my own imaginations? And he said, oh, okay. And I said, oh, I wanted him to have a look at them, you see. And he said, oh, no, you should write one for me. And cool. so on the, on the way home, this is a pastor, on the way home from Costa Sortel, about 10 minutes, the Lord gave him the whole poem, and this is it. No, let's hear it. Okay, it's called Father to the Fatherless. Father to the Fatherless, God is calling you to be, calling trees of righteousness, standing tall and free, reaching to the heavens, the Father heart of God, reaching heaven, touching earth, rooted and grounded in the love of God, tapping unseen streams of power, grace and love. With only yesterday trampled underfoot, the tallest ones were cut by man, kicked and thrown about, cut down to size like all the rest, no root to hold, scorched by the summer heat. Brown and broken, torn by wind and beast, despised by man, a wasted mess, thistles and thorns grow tall and unchecked, 
Such is the plight of the fatherless. Father to the fatherless, God has called you to be. A miracle of transformation, this grass is now a tree. That's that's fantastic, Stuart. Let's Bjorn. go. Dude. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I can tell just listening to you share it how much meaning it has for you. Uh, and I'm, I know that it's going to have a tremendous amount of meaning for a lot of our listeners as well. Thanks, Lyle. Yeah, fantastic. Mm. Okay, that was Stuart from Sortel. So if you've got something to share, um, we did share a big story this morning on the importance of fathers mm. and just how society really, really falls apart when the family falls apart mm. and how important uh, the family unit is to creating good society, good, strong society. And so it was, uh, yeah, just really good to um, hear that poem about, um, yeah, well, God is our father and mm. the importance of fathers, something that was given to Stuart. Uh, by the Lord some time ago, so yeah, praise God. All right, um, what else has been happening? Oh, we had a we had a conversation here in the office during the uh, news break. Oh yeah, to to find out about um, you know how many. Wait, the Lawson some... is the first COVID person, but he's not the first COVID person in the office uh-huh. because somebody somebody was asking you know have, have people with the shots been getting it worse than people without? Mm-hmm. We'd like to hear from you because anecdotally here in the office so far, the people with the shots have got the been smashed the hardest. <laughs> Yep. So, <laughs> so there, there you go. Let us know your experience. Um, we would um, be interested to know. Mm, awesome stuff. Hey, do you want to pass me my Bible? It's like beside you. Yeah, real quick. I can pass Just it across. My studio Bible. Studio the, Bible. The old, the old NLT. You've got to crack it out because now we're getting into our. The encounter with God. Our Hebrews Bible chapter study. five is where we are. Oh, let's go. Oh, I miss so much. Oh, Hebrews. Hebrews. How could I mean? I was on annual leave. You were um, down with the Rona. And we're miss, missing out on Hebrews. It's well, like, I was here. We did the first chapter of Hebrews, and that was really good. I mean, if you want books that are in-depth, oh. let's think of the in-depth books of the Bible. You've got Leviticus. Mm-hmm. You've got Daniel. Uh-huh. You've got Hebrews. Uh-huh. You've got Revelation. Revelation. Those would have to be the four deepest books of the Bible, I would think. Yeah. Because, like, there's other deep books of the Bible. Like, for example, you've got the book of St. Romans. Yeah, and those are the ones we ask for the deep books. People are typically going to go there, but the four that I would go for, yeah, would be those that are so rich in symbolism. That's right. There's so much, especially in a book like Hebrews. There is because it's the whole point. It's like explaining how the Old Testament, like the Jews, are to believe in Jesus. That's right. Theologically, yes. Like you've got the, the Book of Romans, which is powerful, but he's writing to a Gentile context and explaining how, oh, you guys are saved. But like the Book of Hebrews, he's making a, a strong theological argument from the Old Testament. And so that's why it's so deep, because it's just full of illusion. Like yes. the whole time it's just, hey, remember this thing that happened here? Well, this is how it re- relates to Christ. And, and like he's referencing this so like offhandedly as well because he's speaking to Jewish people who he would assume soon would understand it. But, yeah, it's incredibly deep. Mm. And we've been missing out. But, anyway, we are here. <laughs> we are. And today we're talking about Melchizedek. Oh. <laughs> Speaking of deep subjects, just straight away, Melchizedek. Yep. The high priest. Uh, where are we? Hebrews chapter 5. And yesterday, where did we get up to yesterday? We got up to, uh, we got up to verse 6 yesterday. Okay. So why don't you read a uh, uh, read us this section of verse six? All right. So it says in verse six, well, verse five and six. Verse five and six. The Bible says, um, 
That is why Christ did not honor himself by assuming he could become high priest. No, he was chosen by God, who said to him, You are my son, today I have become your father. And in another passage, God said to him, You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Okay, if you want to find that other passage, it is found, it's a prophecy that's found in Psalms. Uh, Psalms chapter, let me just find this one here real quick. I had it a second ago, and now it has just suddenly vanished. Where did it go? Where did it go? Where did it go? It's in Psalms, Psalms 109, 110, somewhere in there. I put a bookmark there, but now I can't see the verse. Anyway, I will come back to that um, after this next little section and get you that verse. But it's quoting from the Old Testament. It's 110 verse 4. 110 verse 4. Thank yeah. you. I can't read my margin. That's my problem. <laughs> it's really fine print. What am I going to do there? Um, it's 110 verse 4. And so if we go over to 110 verse 4, the Bible says, The Lord has sworn and will not repent. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Mm. And so the question is, why do we have this prophecy in the Bible? And what does it tell us about Jesus, that Jesus was made a priest after the order of Melchizedek? And what's interesting here is that Jesus in his incarnation as a human being didn't stand up and put up his hand and say, Hey, I'm a priest, everybody, Mm. uh, because he wasn't a priest. He wasn't a Levite. He was, you know... Um, a descendant of King David. Yeah, he was right. not a descendant of Aaron, and so he didn't stand up and say, "Yeah, I'm a priest." Any of that kind of stuff. It he allowed the Father to proclaim him mm. and to proclaim his priesthood, because he was not a priest after the Levitical order. So there's a number mm. of different orders of priesthood that you have in the Bible. Mm. The Levitical order is the most common one, and to be a priest after the Levitical order, you need to be a descendant of Aaron. That's right. And a Levite. And a Levite. That's who yeah. Aaron was, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, and and so that Jesus didn't fit into that. So where does he fit in? How does Jesus actually qualify to be our great high priest? You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. So we need to find out some things about Melchizedek and find out what the Bible actually says. And, you know, when we go back to this previous verse, and we spent a little bit of time on it yesterday in verse 5, you know, so also Christ did not glorify himself to be made a high priest. He didn't stand up and put his hand up and say, hey, I'm it. But he said, but he that said unto him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. So the father was the one who said, no, you are a priest, and appoints him as a priest, and that makes him a priest after the order of Melchizedek. Mm-hmm. So then, who was Melchizedek? How was Jesus a priest after the order of Melchizedek or in the likeness mm-hmm. of Melchizedek? And what are the what are the differences between the order of Aaron, the order of Melchizedek, and even between Jesus and Melchizedek? Mm. Okay, so because the Bible says that uh, Jesus was a priest after the order of Melchizedek, then obviously Melchizedek is a type yeah. of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so if we learn some things about Melchizedek, we can learn some things about Jesus Christ. What's interesting is that Melchizedek is only mentioned like twice in the Old Testament. Yeah, <laughs> once in the Psalms and then... Once in Genesis. Mm-hmm. That's it. Uh, whereas in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, he's mentioned nine times. Wow. There's actually quite a bit of information in the book of Hebrews about Melchizedek that we don't find anywhere else in the Bible. Mm. 
Now, if we go over to uh, Hebrews, because a lot of people look at this uh, verse 5 here and say, okay, there's a hierarchy in heaven. There's a hierarchy between the Father and the Son. Therefore, the Father is greater than the Son. Uh, therefore, the Father has always existed, and yet the Son, well, somehow he became a recipient of life from the Father. There was a time when he did not exist separate from the Father. There are those who kind of assume all of those kind of things here by reading this verse right here, but they need to read on a little bit because if you're going to have a priest after the order of Melchizedek, then you've got to look at Jesus as a type of Melchizedek. Let's go over to, let me see here. Um, where did I find? I'm, I'm losing all of my verses here this morning. No, I'm going to come back to that one as well. Um, but let's look at the similarities and the differences between Melchizedek and Jesus Christ. And mm-hmm. let's ask the question, okay, because some people look at Melchizedek and they say, well, you know what, we think Melchizedek he was a divine being. Some people have said, well, Melchizedek was an earlier incarnation of Jesus. Others have said that Melchizedek was uh, the Holy Spirit. Mm. And the question is, is that possible? Is it po- Who was this mysterious person in the Old Testament who just pops up in the book of Genesis, is mentioned once in the book of uh, Psalms, and is clearly a type or a symbol of Jesus Christ? Mm. And because the Bible says, you know, that Jesus is a priest after the order of Melchizedek, you know, some people say, well, maybe this was Jesus beforehand, or maybe this was a different member of the Godhead. Mm. You know, was the Holy Spirit there in Jerusalem and was Abraham going down to return tithes to the Holy Spirit? Hmm. This is an interesting question. Of course, we do have a hierarchy uh, when it comes to the priesthood because the Bible talks about Abraham being greater than Levi hmm. because Levi is his descendant. That's right. And so... Obviously, we return tithes, or the the Jewish people return tithes to the Levites. Mm-hmm. But Abraham was greater than Levi, mm-hmm. and Hebrews makes this very clear. Uh, and yet, Abraham returned tithes to Melchizedek, and so if Abraham is greater than Levi, or Abraham is sorry, Levi is greater than Aaron. Mm-hmm. Abraham is greater than Levi. Mm-hmm. Then where, do, where, where does Melchizedek fit in? As greater than? Greater than? Abraham. Abraham. Uh-huh. So if Jesus is a priest after the order of Melchizedek, then he is greater than Melchizedek. Melchizedek. Okay. And we need to look at some of the, uh, mm. um, the, the, the reasons why. So how could, how could, all right, first of all, there's a, number of, there's a number of things here that make it impossible for Melchizedek to be a divine being. Uh-huh. He's not the Holy Spirit and he's not an early incarnation of Jesus. Uh-huh. And we know this because, well, first of all, here's our first point. He precedes Jesus here on this earth. Mm-hmm. So Abraham precedes Levi, right? Mm-hmm. Levi precedes Aaron. Mm-hmm. Aaron precedes every other priest that comes afterwards. Mm-hmm. And therefore Aaron is greater than every other priest. Mm-hmm. Levi is greater than Aaron. Yes. Abraham is greater than than Levi. Levi. Mm -hmm. And Melchizedek comes before Jesus, so that would make Melchizedek greater than? Jesus. That's an impossibility. That's right. 
Mm. So Melchizedek cannot be a divine being. Mm. Okay. Here's another interesting point. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 11. Why don't you read that one for us? Hebrews chapter Hebrews 7 and verse 11. Hebrews 7 11. The Bible says, So if the priesthood of Levi, on which the law was based, could, be, uh, could have achieved the perfection God intended, why did God need to establish a different priesthood with a priest in the order of Melchizedek instead of the order of Levi and Aaron? Okay, let's think about this then for a moment. Um, what was the problem with, in this passage right here, what was the problem with the priesthood after the order of Levi? The, they couldn't achieve the perfection that God intended? Yes. Yeah. Okay, they couldn't. So then let's think about this for a moment. If they could have achieved the perfection, then you wouldn't have needed Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And if Melchizedek was a divine being... He would have achieved perfection, perfection uh-huh. and you would not have needed Jesus. Uh-huh. Yes. There would be no need for Jesus whatsoever at all if Melchizedek had been a divine being. Because, because this is the ultimate point here like that is trying to make. like The perfection that is achieved is like the cleansing of sin. Yes. That takes place when they, you know, sacrifice an animal. It's like your sins are forgiven you. But it's like, oh, yeah, that wasn't perfect. So there was a need of a f- this fulfillment in Christ. That's right. Um, but if Jesus was down here, like, in the form of Melchizedek or the Holy Spirit or some divine being in the form of a person sacrificing on your behalf, well, then that's perfect. that would be perfect, right? And he would have died, obviously. Yeah. Uh, the Bible doesn't require crucifixion as the wages of sin. It requires death. Death, yep. So mm-hmm. death would have happened, and the perfect sacrifice would have been made. Why would Already? Jesus come and do that twice? Yeah, that's right. That makes no sense well, at all. Yeah, that, that totally. Or if another member of the Godhead, you know, if the Holy Spirit had done that, then, you know, the Holy Spirit is just equal with, you know, the Father and Jesus as mm-hmm. far as their divinity goes, mm-hmm. as far as his uh, his existence, as far as, you know, being an author and creator of the law, mm-hmm. etc. Um, all of these are equal to each other, and so why would you why would you need Jesus to come a second time? This is a really interesting Bible study, and there's some some interesting things that came out of this Bible study that I'd never actually stopped and thought about before. Mm-hmm. It does raise the question: Who was Melchizedek? Yes, it's just like so mysterious. It's just yeah, like one of the most mysterious people in the whole Bible. Mm. I think I don't know. I, I think another point on this about who Melchizedek's identity, because there's a number of times where like Jesus or you know an angel shows up in the form of a man or whatever it may be, but they usually don't assume like individual identities, like calling them Mel- themselves Melchizedek. They'll just be like, yeah, they'll just be there, and, and people will be like, oh, that's the angel of the Lord, or they'll mistake them for a human that doesn't have an identity, and then identify them as the angel of the Lord or whatever it may be. Um, and there's a number of times where that happens, you know, in the life of Jacob, in the life of um, uh, Joshua and like in with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the fire, like where, yeah, like Christ literally shows up, but never does he assume some kind of covert identity for a prolonged period of time that is never shed. Then like, and then it talks about him like seven times here in the book of Hebrews, nine times. And it never sheds light on that. Like, even though in other places it's like, oh, yeah, Jacob was faithful because he wrestled with the angel of the Lord. And it, like, clearly gives that illusion. So I think that, yeah, Melchizedek's just this random dude who just is <laughs> just like... He was a Canaanite priest. Yeah. Simple as that. 
Mm. That's all that we know for sure was yeah. that he was a Canaanite priest. We know that he was a Canaanite priest. We we know that he was a priest of God. We know that he was a high priest. Mm. That's all we know. That's it. Yeah. Cool. This is an interesting text message that came through. It says, I've always believed that Melchizedek was really Jesus until this week's Bible study. And so this is somebody who's studying along with us in the 20 Million Movement Bible study, and uh, they've looked at some of these points that have been raised in the study, you know, that points out that, you know, Melchizedek was not Christ. Mm. No need to guess anymore. God mm. is good. Theologians have been arguing this issue forever. Now <laughs> I have right. my answer. <laughs> yeah, <You know>? <laughs> Humility is a wonderful thing And it's always good to be able to learn new things from the Bible That mm. sometimes contradict what we've always believed You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM Positively different Here on yes. The Breakfast Show We've got some amazing things that we're looking at in our Bibles this mm. morning And uh, we are particularly talking about Melchizedek But before we do, we have the 500 point quiz That's right, for 500 Points. What city was the site of King Xerxes' royal citadel? 0491 is the number to call if you know the answer. And if you do, you can win our 500-point prize for today. Hopes and time secrets. Ancient prophecies reveal the future of our troubled planet by Mark Finley. Ooh, all about mysterious dreams and hectic prophecies and all these things that point to things that are happening in our very day. So again, 0491-064-669 is the number to call. And the question was, what city was the site of King Xerxes' royal citadel? Okay. If you know where, then you know what the number is. 0491-064-669 is the number to call. We're going to talk about Melchizedek this morning, and we're going to look at a really interesting verse right now that actually tells us something about Jesus, because the Bible says that um, Melchizedek was a type Mm. of Jesus. And the study of types is a little bit different from the study of symbols, Mm -hmm. uh, types and antitypes. And what types do is they give give us a representation Mm -hmm. of the real thing, a shadow. Mm. Give us a shadow of what the real thing looks like. And so Melchizedek is a shadow of Jesus Christ. He's a type of Jesus Christ. Why don't you read for us uh, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 1 to 3. This Melchizedek was king of the city of Salem and also a priest of God most high. When Abraham was returning home after winning a great battle against the kings, Melchizedek met him and blessed him. Then Abraham took a tenth of all that he had captured in battle and gave it to Melchizedek. The name Melchizedek means king of justice, and the king of Salem means king of peace. There is no record of his father or mother or any of his ancestors, no beginning or end to his life. He remains a priest forever, resembling the son of God. Okay. That's interesting. Mm. There is no record of what? His life. His father. Oh, yeah. Or his mother, mm-hmm. or when he was born, mm-hmm. or when he died. Uh-huh. He is a type of Jesus Christ. Mm. Is there a record of <clears throat> Jesus' origin? Yes. When he was, when he was. I'm not talking about his incarnation. Oh, I'm talking about his Godhead, his divinity. Well, is there a record of when he came into being? No. No. Is there a record of when he ceased to be? No. Because he's still alive. Yes. Okay, so follow this through. Is there a record of Jesus' mother? 
Uh, not in, not, the, not in the divinity. We're talking about his divinity, divinity. right here. Yeah, that's because right. Because Melchizedek is a symbol, a type of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. is in his divinity. Mm-hmm. And in his divinity, there is no record of his origin. Mm-hmm. There is no record of his end. Mm-hmm. There is no record of his mother. Mm-hmm. And in his divinity, I'm going to say that, some people are going to challenge me on this, there is no record of his father. His father exists in his incarnation. Mm. Now, people say, yeah, but the Old Testament talks about the father, you know, and, 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 and the son. Absolutely, it does, previous to the incarnation. We've talked about this before. When the plan of salvation came into being, which has always been in being, and Jesus crucified before the foundation of the world, mm. uh, Jesus has always been the Son of God because that has always been his position in the plan of salvation. That's right. Mm. But when the Bible says there's no record of when Jesus began, when he ended, or of his mother, or of his father, mm. in his divinity. Mm-hmm. What the Bible is saying is that Jesus had no origin. Mm. In him was life original, unborrowed, underived. So what the Bible is saying is he has no origin. Mm. He has no end. He has no parents that gave birth to him. Mm. Okay, this is a really, really powerful verse yes. for many of our friends who, you know, particularly our Jehovah's Witness friends, who would say that Jesus, you know, had an origin, mm. and that he was a recipient of life from the Father. You know, and um, a good friend up at Coffs Harbour who often uh, gets in contact with us about these particular issues and sends in questions of the day. This is a powerful statement right here. Mm. No record of his father or his mother or of his origin, or when he ends. Mm. This is a mysterious person. Yes. Good follow-up question, though, to this. Does this mean that Melchizedek has no father or mother or end? Is he a divine being? No, it simply means that there's no record of it. That's right. Oh, it's so cool. Because, like, because this, is, this, is where, this is where Paul is drawing the mm. parallel here in the book of Hebrews. If there was a record of his father, his mother, his origin, and when and how he died, then he would not be a priest, he would not be a type of Jesus Christ mm. in that respect. Yes. But because that record doesn't exist, Paul can say, yeah, we don't even know who this guy was. We don't have a record of where he came from or where he ends. Therefore, he can be a type of Christ in this respect because Jesus yes. did not have those things. That's actually so cool. Like he's a really powerful thought if mm. you can wrap your head around this. And this, once again, the book of Hebrews is deep. Mm. But wrap your head around why Paul, this is probably one of the very few individuals in the Bible that Paul can actually use as a type of Jesus Christ mm. because pretty much everyone in the Bible, there's a bit of a record of like, yeah, and his father was and his mother was and, mm. you know, he was born here and he did this and he lived there and he died there. Mm. You know, that's kind of how we record history of individuals, whereas it's like Melchizedek, Abraham mm. paid in tithe. That's all we know. Yeah. We and, know another thing. And I think, like, you know, you could ask the question, oh, what's motivating Paul so much to do this? Like, to try and make this point is, like, all oh, trying to use Melchizedek to make this point. But that's because the point is so important to the Hebrew people in explaining who Jesus yes. is. Yes. He's like, he, Paul is trying so hard here. He's like, you know, 
using Melchizedek because he's like, guys, I need to, like, this isn't even about Melchizedek. He's like, guys, I'm trying to help you to understand who Christ is. He is someone with no beginning, no end. Like, this is, he's more than just a dude who came and lived and died for us and got rid of our sins, even though that is, like, his primary function in his incarnation. But, like, he is God. Like, and he's using Melchizedek as this example, which is, oh, that's so awesome. Oh. It is. And, and it really comes down to Paul's whole argument that Jesus obviously is our great high priest. That's right. And, of course, this was a really Really challenging, you know. For us, we just sort of like, yeah, of course, you know. I grew up with it. It's like I've always known that. Yeah, I've never not never known anything different, and so we don't even struggle with it at all. But this was a massive struggle for the Jewish people mm. because he wasn't a priest. Jesus was not a priest here on this earth. Yes, and, and you go over to chapter eight, and it specifically says that in chapter eight. Uh, where is it? Right here. For every priest is. Now this is verse 3, ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices, wherefore it is a necessity that this man have something else to offer. For mm. if he were a priest on earth, or if he were on earth, he would not be a priest. Mm. Why wouldn't he be a priest? Because he's not a Levite. He's not a Levite. Yes. And so the Hebrew people are like, how can we accept Jesus? We can't have Jesus as, as our, our great high priest. He's not a Levite. He's not yeah. a descendant of Aaron. But neither was Melchizedek. That's right. And yeah. this is where Paul goes. He has no other precedent that he can go to other than Melchizedek, but he can go to Melchizedek because Melchizedek was a priest who was not a Levite, who was greater than any high priest living right now, who mm. was greater than Aaron, who mm. was greater than Levi, who was greater than Abraham. Yeah. And Paul points out, if you can have a priest that is greater than Abraham, mm. who was a Canaanite? Who we don't even know where he came from. Like, yeah, like We have no idea who, where, how this guy turned up. Mm. No records whatsoever. Then you can have Jesus mm. as your great high priest. Praise oh. God. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Fantastic. But right now, it is... Answers, answers, answers. Oh, answer time? Okay, so the answers are, for 100 points, Faith for 200 points, Day of Pentecost for 300 points, Joseph, 400 points. By watching the way they drank, he only kept those that laughed the water with their hands. And for 500 points, Susa or Shushan. Uh, You could also, for the uh, Gideon one, you could also have, um, he excluded those that were afraid. That's right. Mm. I wouldn't have been fighting in that battle. Yeah. Yeah, but anyways, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine was the number to call if you had all of those correct. And um, yeah, but right now it is time for question of the day. All right, our question of the day is actually been causing a bit of an argument in the studio, and it's oh, yes. actually relating to that four hundred point question. It's from today's quiz. Janelle and Shell want to know uh, why did God and Gideon choose the soldiers the way that. He did. Okay, so this is there's, there was two different methods by which God chose the soldiers uh, that he chose for the uh, battle of, I think it was called Mora Hill, mm. uh, where Gideon was able to de- defeat 120,000 Midianites with 300 men. Initially wow. 300, and then everybody else came out of the woodwork uh, once they saw what was going on. It's a fascinating story. It's a fascinating tactic. When I read the story, the most miraculous thing about the story is how that God was able to identify the only strategy that would work. Mm. Um, I've got a whole sermon on this. You want to hear it? Come to uh, Raymond Terrace uh, Adventist Church, I think, in November. Oh, okay. Just... A little we're bit doing, of We're doing a, uh, a whole series there on Bible battlefields. Oh, awesome. It's going to be so much fun. But anyway, we'll talk about the Battle of Mora Hill. 
Now, what's interesting here is that the first way that he uh, divides up the men is by asking who's scared. Mm. And you find it back here in Judges chapter 7, verse 3. It says, God says, Now therefore go proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And there returned of the people 22,000, and there remained 10,000. So the first thing he said is, if you're afraid, go home. This was something that in the uh, Hebrew law, the Israelite law, it was a proclamation that had to be made before every battle. Mm. Gideon was scratching. He had 120,000 soldiers to go up against. He had 32,000, and so he was scratching. He's like, I can't get enough guys. And so he did not make the proclamation. But if you go back to the Constitution back in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 20, you can read it over here, Deuteronomy chapter 20. Let's just flick over there real quick. Where did Deuteronomy go? I know it's here. It's the fifth book of the Bible. It has escaped my Bible suddenly. To be honest, probably fell out. Yep. You should see you guys should see this Bible. It's like especially the New Testament, it's got books falling out. Okay, Deuteronomy chapter twenty verse five, the Bible says, um and he shall, verse 2, it shall be when you are come near unto battle that mm-hmm. the priest shall approach and speak to the people and say this. Speak to the people, saying in verse 5, What man is there that you have built a new house and has not dedicated? Let him go and return and dedicate it, um, lest he die in the battle and another man dedicate it. What man is there that has planted a vineyard and has not eaten the fruit of it? Let him go and return unto his house, lest he die in the battle and another man eat of it. And what man is there that has betrothed or been engaged to a wife and has not taken her? Let him go and return unto his house, lest he die in the battle and another man take her. And the officers shall speak further unto the people, and they shall say, What man is there that is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go and return to his house, lest his brother's heart faint, as well as his heart. So this was a master strategy because basically it was like if you are not motivated, you don't get to fight. Mm. And what used to happen in ancient battlefields is that the two armies would come together and there would the casualties would be minimal until one side broke and started to run. Mm. And then there would be mass casualties. Mm. And so what God was doing was creating a situation in which he would ensure that no one would be in the army who would be tempted to break and run because once somebody runs, everybody runs. That's right. Mm. This was, uh, you know, one of the great things about why Spartacus was so successful was because um, he had an army that had nowhere to run ever. Mm. And, you know, the Romans who fought Spartacus noted noted that, you know, at the end of the battle I think they found like two of his men that had a uh, trauma wound in their back. Mm. And that was just unheard of. You know, wow. they, it was just they were, they were brutal battles. Because everyone was taking it front on. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Judges chapter seven, and we continue on. He's got two. He's got ten thousand men. He's got too many. The Bible says, "Take them down to the water." So he brought them down, the people down to the water, and the Lord said unto Gideon, "Everyone that laps of the water with his tongue, as a dog laps, him shall you set by himself likewise, or at the same way." everyone that bows down on his knees to drink. So he takes them down to the water. He's like, okay, you need to hydrate. There's a battle coming up. Um, Drink. Mm. And the number of men that lapped, putting their hand to their mouth so they didn't get down on their knees, they picked up water in their hands and put it to their mouth, was 300. And those were the ones that he chose. So why choose those ones? Well, in today we know a lot about stuff. strategy and tactics and you know even self-defense. One of the great self-defense mantras uh, is that attention buys you time 
and time buys you opportunities. Mm. And so what was Gideon, what was God doing right here? He was choosing those men that understood this innately, Mm. that attention buys you time and time buys you opportunities. The 300 men who picked the water up in their hands were paying attention. Mm. They were on guard. The others, they were super relaxed. They were chill. It was like, no, the enemy's, you know, two hours hike from here. We don't need to worry about it right now. We have nothing to be afraid of. And the others were like, no, we are on guard. We are on edge. We are ready and prepared. We are paying attention to our surroundings. Mm. We are knowing what is going on. We're knowing if there's, you know, a, a band of men that's about to pop over the side of the hill. And so those were the ones who were chosen. And that's how he got his true warrior class of 300 men. Okay, that's some interesting thoughts in relationship to this question. Come to Raymond Terrace in November if you want to hear the full presentation <laughs> on it. Don't forget to talk faith, live faith, act faith. You will grow strong in Jesus Christ. God be with you till we meet again. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.